And there he is, mate. Hey, Marky, how you going? Yeah, good, man. Good, good. How's um, how's your day been? Good, good. Busy, busy. Been, been uh, yeah, pretty busy, busy today. Um, it's been offside a lot today, and had a few things at work. Having having to go to different sites, and it doesn't help with with the weather at the moment. It's freezing, so cold. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Like, I think we had like, like, have, I think like today was miserable. We had uh, like a bit of sun yesterday, like in the afternoon, so it was quite warm. But then the day mm. before that, I think it was like two degrees. I woke up and you could see like you know frost on the, uh, you know frost on the on the windscreens and and on the grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think was it last week or something. I was saying on the news it was like the coldest day in winter. Um, it was like last week i think it was it was like the coldest day of the year i'm like yeah. it was yeah it was ridiculously cold i've had the yeah. air on the whole night just to stay warm I, I don't know i feel like <laughs> it's funny right like every um every time i read something like that that you know says that it's it's like the coldest day um in the last like 20 years or coldest day in, in may i always feel like it happens so frequently that it, that couldn't possibly be true and like the same thing yeah with, you know, you're going to see this super moon. It only happens once in your lifetime. Yeah. It's like, it happens yeah. once. It happens once in your lifetime every six months. Like what's going on here? Yeah, right? I, I agree with that. And they're like, they have like an eclipse and they're like, this, you'll never see this eclipse again. And then you're like, six months later, there's another eclipse. And you're like, really? Was it that special? Like, yeah. what's, what's, you know, what's, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not too concerned if I miss out on this one. It sounds like there's another one coming. Yeah. hundred percent. What I guess, like speaking of like solar, like solar eclipse, um, have you did you hear about like early in the week how there's like the space tourism that's that's going on at the moment? So I think there's um, Jeff Bezos and and then there's uh, Richard Richard Branson. So like both flying yeah. into to space with Richard Branson with uh, Virgin Galactic. I think in the last couple of days and then um, later this week or this weekend. I think um, Jeff Bezos is flying out. Did you have you have you read or heard much about that? Yeah, briefly. Like I saw a bit of a news article about it. Um, yeah, early in the week, and then I think I, I watched I watched the video of them taking off in the rocket where they sort of got into the I don't know what whatever you call that. Awesome thing that and, yeah, then it, and it and it dropped them off. Yeah, and then they they coasted up there. It was I, I watched the video because like leading up to that, I sort yeah. of sort of saw the news article. And like I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I actually looked like watching it. It was weird. Like it was like a, like, it evoked like an emotional response. I'm like, you know, this yeah. is pretty cool. Like this is some groundbreaking stuff. Um, yeah. You know that, that they're doing. Do you, and, and it feels like I mean I don't follow the space, but it feels like it's in such yeah. a, a short space of time. Like it's come out of nowhere. Now all of a sudden everyone's racing to get to space. Is that kind of what you feel like? Yeah, hundred percent. I had I have the same feeling. So what? What, what makes it kind of special or interesting is you've got like regular people. You don't have astronauts going into, into sort of space or like sort of leaving the, the stratosphere. Right. And that brings to mind tourism, like the word followed like space tourism. Right. So you're thinking yeah. about regular people or, or like the, the step before regular people or at least rich regular people can venture into space or the moon or, or like you know get as a novelty right so you'll fly and, and be able to look back down at earth 
um, if you have the funds or ability to do so. So I think capacity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's I, I think it's definitely interesting. Um, up until this point, I'm sure there's a lot of development, but really, when we think of space, we think of you know astronauts and we think of rocket ships or Elon's multiple you know rockets that go into space and they self land yeah. and they reuse the, the rockets but this is a bit different yeah. you've got um i mean the the aircrafts themselves almost look like two regular planes with one like primary in the plane. middle yeah 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 and then like it kind of propels the, the main thing right so i don't know i think i think it's fairly interesting yeah i think it's like it's a massive breakthrough um in our lifetime anyway um yeah. i think I think I, I mentioned this to you earlier in the week. I think one one thing that kind of concerns me in the amongst of everything else that's going on now, like with COVID-19 mm. and stuff like that, is that like it feels like all of a sudden everyone's in a race to, to, to you know, get, get into space. But almost like uh, my, my biggest concern is like what happens when we get to a point where, you know, right now we can reach space and then space tourism becomes a thing. And then, I mean, mm. this could be a long way down the track but like if we discover another planet or somewhere that's that is as habitable as earth what like we already we already provide like do a lot of damage to to earth as it is imagine when earth becomes like another sub planet at one mm. point like what are the what are the implications of how do people view the sustainability of earth or how important is it when you have space become a reality right? yeah. and then like it becomes there's other places that eventually become more habitable or another mm. opportunity outside of Earth to be able to live. Well, it's a bit where, of a concern, where, isn't it? Well, where, where, where do you think? 100%. And, like, we've seen this on Earth, let alone, like, outside of outside of Earth. Where, where do you, I guess that lends the question to where do you think would be the first natural, most likely habitable um, planet or, or place in space that we will be able to, uh, potentially live on would you say it's mars at this point or would most people agree on mars or well yeah i guess i guess at this point that like that seems to be i think from what i understand the most likely scenario um yeah. that being said though like i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking maybe i don't know 50 100 years from now like i guess mm. like the rate the rate at which technology you know um develops yeah, progressing yeah know, yeah, it kind of doubles every couple of years. So I, th I think, like, I think, um, you know, it might be Mars for now that's the likely scenario, but we might find something else or, mm. uh, you know, in 50, 100 years' time that becomes more habitable than Earth. And I think I just think about, like, the the kind of brings me to a broader, broader question, but, like, obviously with COVID-19 in place, I feel like everyone's almost in a rush <laughs> to, like, <laughs> to escape Earth. Like, it's so, it's so damaging at the moment and there's so much... Issues going on with pandemics and you know wars with China, etc. It's like, yeah, like, it's just like a lot, and it's like, hey guys, like let's jump to space, let's get out of here. <laughs> it's just a bit of a concern, you know. Like, I think yeah. it, it's kind of like begs the question, you know, how 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 do you use technology? You know, this 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 research and development in space, mm. you know, with Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and how do you actually make the technology used? as a force for good. And I think you mentioned earlier in, in, in your, in your opening piece where you said about, you know, the rich people get to go to, to um, go to space, you know, and it's like, well, Exclusive. shouldn't it be for everybody? Like, shouldn't it be, yeah. be, be, I mean, 
obviously initially the price point might be be quite high, but shouldn't it be a thing that's more broader for everybody? You know? Yeah. That's yeah, think, ultimately that's what the goal should be. Yeah. I suppose uh, there's uh, there's someone that I follow, uh, Naval Ravikant, uh, and he talks about this idea that, you know, there's a separation between the rich and the poor, but technology and development in capitalism, right, or, or capitalist like developed countries is a good thing net-net because eventually it means things that would be exclusive to just rich people become accessible to everyone. So an example that comes to mind is uh is is uber so before mm-hmm. uber came along right so uber is a massive conglomerate that's investing losing billions of dollars with a long-term plan so they they know up front they're going to lose money but that's part of the strategy mm-hmm. to get market share in order to build a viable um business model that corners the market completely where no players can come in um mm-hmm. but if you think about it like going back 50 years if you had your own private driver, because that's what Ubers basically are, right? Like private drivers, yeah. you'd have to pay like a massive fortune. And I think, you know, the same thing with streaming services, Amazon Prime, it's become more accessible to, you know, the working class. So I think in time it's going to happen, but you need the rich people to fund the initial, initial exploration. Yeah, yeah. The research and development, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know what? I, I think like, you know, it does sound like something out of a movie, right? It's like, hey, you know, fuck this shit. COVID's just, you know, COVID has just made Australia uninhabitable. Let's just jump ship. We'll move to Mars. And then when Mars fucks up, we'll just, we'll move on to Saturn or, or, or Jupiter or something. Yeah, like I think, I think, I think like it's, it's, it's quite easy to like, you know, I think in this day and age to look at, look at like, uh, and uh, an issue or a product or something, and sort of chuck it to the side. And say like, cool, like move on to the next. You know, look at look at iPhone as an example. Like, how often you go like, I've got an iPhone seven, then you go iPhone eight, and then you jump up and and like you don't like the the step ups. Like, remember early days with the iPhone? Like, there was like the initial like third gen iPhone, and then it sort of stepped up. There was mm-hmm. significant progress in like the development of technology, so you could potentially justify a step up. But like as iPhone, real innovation, like disruptive, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like the innovation with iPhone now is less less disruptive, and the iterations for the improvements aren't as great. And I yeah. feel like the issue that we have now is that like um, we've become a society where like it's sort of throwaway. It's like um, you know, it's it's okay, cool. I'll just get a new one whether that's, yeah. you know, speaking more broadly um, with people with friendship relationships with devices. And I think that's a, that's concerned me because like, I don't want, I don't want my children or my generation um, to have a mindset of just throwing away things. Um, only, obviously if it doesn't function anymore, different story, but in terms of uh, product usability or sustainability for the environment, mm. I think is a, well, a massive yeah. But you, you, yeah, you're talking. You're talking about sustainability here, right? Uh, Absolutely. It's literally, we've gone from uh, iterations that add brand new features, look completely different, change in size, right? To consumers accepting incremental changes, where literally the shell of the phone physically looks identical different. from one yeah, year yeah, to I'm another. Slightly different. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like, we've gone from hey 
we're going from black and white to color and then from color to touch screen. And these are like brand new features, ways to interact with the phone to like, hey, we've got a slightly better camera now that most people won't be able to tell the difference from, except yeah, in yeah. specific scenarios like low lighting. It's it's yeah. like you're paying, you're willing to trade up your $1,700 phone for another $1,700 phone that has a slightly better camera from one year to another. Like, yeah. you're right, it's, it's absurd. And it's like, it's like that emotional attachment. Right? It's like, it's, it's like, oh, I need to have this because this will make me feel better, right? Like, it, yeah. it doesn't, the fact that you've got the NFC on the back of your phone is not going to change your life. Sure, it'll make you scan your card a little bit easier, but just pull out <laughs> your wallet and, and use your bank card, right? Like, it's not worth you upgrading for that capability. And I just, I guess, yeah. bringing it back to the conversation around space travel, when it mm. becomes, when something becomes more accessible to everyone, like, for example, the iPhone, what happens when it becomes more developed? Do people appreciate what they currently have or does yeah. that get uh, diluted the more they're exposed to something and then it becomes the norm? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Certainly. Like what, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think? I think, I think that it's, I think, well, I think that like um, probably I can only speak personally here, but like in the last yeah. probably year or so, I think, with the whole coronavirus and lockdowns, I think there's been a bit of a step back and a bit of reflection on, okay, what is actually important? Like rather than you just every day running the rat race and I need this, I need this to improve, I need this to get better and this mm. to look better. Would you say people... Fun- at a fundamental level, what mm. is, uh, what is you know, what is most important for me? Yeah, I mean, I think more and more people are asking that same question of, of what's important and it means that people being more are being more intentional i know like in in my personal life i'm looking at you know what what is my most prized commodity or 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 like most valued uh thing right and it's time and the coronavirus has made you realize hey if you're going to have a choice between an employer who's going to be flexible and give you the arrangement from you know to be able to work from home or to be able to have a day off and still, you know, prove to be trustworthy and be able to get, um, be effective in your role, then why not have that flexibility? And it means that, you know, you can prioritize and think about, you know, how susceptible we are to our lifestyle changing from external influences, right? So it helps you put things into perspective of what's important and what should actually come first, Um, whether it's Mm. your time, your friends, your relationship, or your career it doesn't matter which area right and there's this kind of mindset where like naturally as humans we try to fill out gaps in time and like you know we end up trying to do more than we can so we don't we think we're prioritizing a lot of things but because we're prioritizing everything we're actually prioritizing nothing yeah that's a you good know? point <laughs> that's a good point yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean because there's like a focus issue there right like you, you you lose, you try, if you try to, yeah, if you try to juggle everything, you can't do anything prop, properly, I guess. Yeah. It's a kind of like, and I guess like if you put that in terms of like in a personal trait, like if it's like, if you don't focus on, you can't help other people if you can't focus on yourself. Right. And mm. I think like post COVID days, there's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of um, things out there that kind of distract you. And I think mm. like, you know, like actually, let me put a question to you. Like, you know, yeah. you mentioned before about, working from home um yep. and like having the option to do so 
if you if if the employer put a question to you and said to you, hey, Mark, would you be willing to take a I don't know five ten percent pay cut so that you can work from home three or four days a week? Would that be something that you would consider if that was like if that was your option? Yeah, that's in terms of priorities. Uh, I think I think that's actually a really good question because. In a way, for a long time, employers ha- have had all the leverage. Like, you know, let's like, it, it, yeah, obviously, it, it, yeah. yeah, like, it, I mean, it varies from industry to industry. If you're you're in a, a vertical that, that is in more demand, then you have more leverage. But generally speaking, when it comes to flexibility in how you work, the employee definitely has more leverage, right? So that's flipped. It's been flipped on its head and, and, and employees can now, uh, you know, choose because more employers are being flexible in, in what they offer. So yeah. the flip should probably, you know, if, if you're making concessions to employees because of COVID, as the employee, you should theoretically be able to, you know, accept a, a potential pay drop if that if that mm. is, um, you know, if you're asking for more flexibility. I think um, I think it sort of comes down to the job and maybe defining like uh, remuneration and salaries based on performance rather than, you know, what, what, what's going to happen. So let, let's say in this scenario where you're asking for three or four days, if there's a period where you can show that you're hitting your accountabilities, then you'll be rewarded the same. But if you don't, you'll take a slight pay cut. It just means, you know, and, and it's not a, hey, you're not performing as well because you're working from home. It's more of a, hey, yeah. you perf- you're, we're going to be a little bit more flexible, but you're not able to perform at the same level. So we're going to, you know, pay you accordingly. Uh, I think that's kind of kind of my opinion. I think employees have to be prepared to take a pay cut, but it comes back to supply and demand. So if there's more employees, uh, sorry, employers offering their work from home arrangement, then an employee will just have the choice to move somewhere else if if it's going to be a five or ten percent pay reduction. How about yeah, you? What it's, do you, it's an interesting. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an interesting point because I think there's two parts that stand out to me as part of that question. And as we shift to sort of a work work from home um, environment, the, yeah. the issue comes around like one is how do you you know coming back to what you mentioned before about productivity and, and sort of baselining how much you should get paid relative to your performance. So yeah. what I've what what the what I feel is the old model was is uh, a lot of employers used to measure you based on your input. So like, you know, mm. a lot of people that I found who are in my environment always looked at, okay, are you in the office? Are you busy? Are you in meetings? You know, and those yeah. were the things that sort of justified how busy you were. But I feel like and there kind of needs to be a shift across the board in terms of the way businesses view this, but I think that it's almost now as important to measure what the outputs are. What do you actually deliver as a, as an employee? Can you deliver it on time? Can, you know, can you can you still hold the same uh, routines that you did, um, and maybe be as efficient um, as you were in, the, in 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 an office? But what are your actual outputs? Not just being visible, but actually what do you mm. actually deliver? I think that's super important. And I think the other the other issue is how do you measure that? Like yeah. obviously everyone's gone to work from home and I know myself with um, 
when our company shifted, because I think when the COVID pandemic started, our company actually shifted to the work from home model a week or two before everybody else did. And yeah. I remember it being completely disruptive because it went from, you know, being a traditional, you know, being in the, in the office five days a week to being almost uh, work from home overnight. So that presented challenges. You know, how do we make sure that there's unified communications across the business, you know, using Teams, Zoom, whatever. You know, give how us, do we make sure we can access the office resources? Give us a little bit of context. So prior to, so, so it sounds like you guys were ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, deploying it and, and working from home. What was the situation yeah. beforehand? If like people, were there many staff that were already working one day a week, like from home? Like had No, been, so I think that's, yeah. From what I can understand, majority of people are still working from the office, um, yeah. but my company, so I think they were a bit ahead of the curve and said, look, let's transition to this. We've got a, I think they've got a lot of touch points internally in the government. They understand sort of what's coming up and can plan for that in, in advance. So I think we, we literally shifted to a work-from-home model pretty much overnight. Um, okay. And you know, me as being in a, in a technical support background, we had to support them and that, that presented a whole lot of challenges. But the one challenge that still remains is how do you actually measure an employee's performance? Do you put some sort of technical uh, instrument in place or, or tool in place to actually, you know, do screenshots? Do you, you know, do you, do, do you proactively check in with an employee? Like what do you think is sort of, what do you, at least like from your experience, what do you see as mm. as sort of being the norm moving forward and how does your company manage that? Because I don't think a lot of companies have have grasped how to do that properly. Yeah, I, I think um, from from what I've seen so far, uh, like there's, there's, two, there's probably two conversations that come out of that. The first one being how to uh, measure and, and, in, and look at, performance like so metrics when you've got a hybrid model so working from home and also working in the office so how do you look at measurements that accommodate that sort of setup right and i suppose you know like depending on which industry you're in those those sort of metrics could come down to you know if you're you're like in sales or or your output or maybe um you know, it'd be sort of individual for each each sort of business. I know in my industry, as long as um, so, one of the metrics for 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 my industry, which is in digital marketing and working with client facing in a more client facing role, is progressing projects uh, without having them bottleneck. So, the way um, my current place of employment works is, we get paid when a stage of a project is completed rather than on a monthly retainer. So eventually they go to a monthly retainer, but stage like there'll be two stages before that, which are 12 weeks apart and each 12 weeks will get paid in arrears when that work has been completed. So if they're not satisfied with us meeting those milestones by the end of that first stage, we'll have to keep going back and forth until the customer is satisfied and then we'll, progress to stage two a little bit like a home build let's say you've built the slab and and you've got like concerns or issues with the slab that has to be sorted before they move on to like the second or or subsequent stages so yeah yeah. the 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 metrics around that would be actually how how long does it take on average compared to your peers to move clients 
through the stages, for example, without dropping the quality of work and having to come back or, or have customers, um, you know, sort of complain. And then the other metric is how long do the customers stay with you? Are they leaving, you know, after a certain amount of time? So there's retention of, of those clients. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose it would change like in your industry. And then again, like say like in medicine or law and, or and whatever out, it is. Out of curiosity, yeah. like with your, with your, you mentioned there about st- sort of stages and having sort of client delivery phases as part of that. So right. do you have some, like who, I guess my question is what, at what level do you, who does, ha- who has visibility um, of that and do they use a specific tool to show that um, yeah. you know do you guys have like a stand stand up whip every day and, and show something on a, a SAS tool or how does that work yeah yeah for sure so uh, like previously um, in in other places and, and especially um, at the start of COVID there was a lot of these sort of like stand up and meetings and like uh, one of the things with working with larger organizations there, there never seems to be you know a shortage of meetings it's just like you know hey we've yeah, got this problem let's, yeah. <laughs> hey we've got a problem <laughs> let's have a meeting you know hey mm. we we need to uh we've got a bottleneck let's have a meeting hey we need to plan something for breakfast or culture let's have a meeting and like it's just way too many meetings especially when there was like mm. the the video conferencing that came into it um but i think the place that i'm working for now has has a really good balance so there's two meetings during the week, one on a Monday morning at uh, mid morning, and then you've got one on Thursday. So mm-hmm. during that meeting, there's an Excel spreadsheet. It doesn't look like, you know, super, super special, but it's effective. So you got all the clients, you can see where they are in the stage and it's a quick check-in just going around like, Hey, you know, Michael, how, how are things going with, um, uh, adidas or nike you know where where yeah, you're with yeah. this client is there any sort of troubles and then by the time you come around to thursday you know if you're working on that account you know that question's coming around for the same client so you have to yeah, somewhat yeah. be prepared so yeah i think that strikes the right balance and then you know obviously they'll have dates because having a having a good system and sort of updating um when clients move throughout the stages will also um, allow you to measure that. So whatever is measured can be um, can be optimized. If it's not measured, you don't have the uh, if you don't have the oversight, you don't have the data, and you're not looking at that sort of information, then you can't improve those processes because you have no visibility. You're kind of guessing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah good chat. And how does that? And like, how does that? Um, I guess it's probably hard for you to answer this question, but like from because you haven't been there. I guess yeah. pre-COVID, but like from speaking to your employees, how has that changed? Do you find that there's there's more of that now, than, and there was less of that before? Um, it's in your current, uh, you know, in the current work model. Yeah, I, I I'd say like uh, so so like in in the last twenty four months, I've 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 been in two different roles. So like previously working for a larger company, uh, which I won't name, and and then more recently moving to a smaller model. Uh, in the in the larger organization, there was a, a regular morning catch up, um, but it was more, I suppose, um, it was it was more like like generally speaking, there wasn't like a, there wasn't you know sort of accountability or or there wasn't that kind of visibility with where projects are. That was more of a you know sort of 
we have the whole team come together, but then that's between you and your manager. And there'll be like a report that'll be emailed out each each sort of day. But yeah, there was less sort of accountability. And in and we weren't measuring how long it was taking clients to move along. It was just uh, it was just measured differently. And they were um, there was different milestones. So it was more like a a progress rather than like a, a process-driven thing. So naturally, if you've got like a, a, if you don't have a specific process for onboarding a new client, for example, then it might be a bit more broad and, and like it'll be less standardized from like one account manager to another. Whereas if you've got systems and processes and checks in place, then, you know, they'll sort of move along. How about, how about yourself? Have you, um, have you, have you noticed uh, do you, like, are you pretty happy with the way um, the the meetings and sort of stuff are run at your current workplace? Yeah, I or think. Do you think there's think room for improvement? Yeah, I think I think overall the biggest thing, and maybe you can like chime in on this after if you agree. But like, yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was like, I'm I'm obviously a very introverted person, um, and obviously you know I get my energy a lot from being around myself, and sure. I found previously that I was quite drained being in environments where there was in an office all the time, had to show up, you know, 8.30, be on the dot, um, show up for meetings, try to justify my input. And often I found that there was so much, so many external things going on that it was really difficult for me to focus. So yeah. a couple of things I found that were different, I guess, post-COVID is, is that one, obviously I, I have a lot more focus time now um hmm. so you know if i've got things that come up during the day you know people can't just walk up to me and walk up to my desk and start saying hey michael can you do this um and i can sort of i prioritize them when i need to and i think the other thing that the biggest thing for me was actually uh when when we sort of went to that shift of work from home overnight i actually got to know a lot more teammates that i work with than i ever did because okay. i found that you know where we might you know, where I might work one-on-one -on -one with a manager or a small group of people um, because there was a difficulty in knowing who did what, particularly if there's new people coming to the organisations, you'd find often there'd be uh, somebody would have a meeting, but they'd invite five or six different people that they thought were part of the meeting or that could have potential input that you might not yeah. have dealt with previously. So I felt like you then actually, in a weird way, kind of got to know people a little bit better. And I guess... Yeah being an introverted person on my terms. So I think overall it was just a better experience um, Yeah, because that's how I work. But I could understand there would be people that wouldn't, you know, like appreciate that and understand that. But like, what about yourself? Like, I guess, how did you, how did you feel in that regard? Do you feel like, um, you know, being an introverted person helps or? Yeah, I think, I think you've, you've touched on like a really interesting talking point. So as, as, as also like a, as an introvert and as many other introverts that are listening, uh, I, I imagine it's a common, uh, it, it's a common sort of uh, issue or sort of like challenge that, that people have. I'd say, you know, you got your really, really introverts who are, you know, they, they would happily have headphones on, put them in a corner, they'll produce their best work. They don't need any social interactions. That's on the most extreme side. And then you got like introverts who they like to socialize, but they get overwhelmed because too much social interactions or maybe, uh, yeah. or, or maybe they just have somebody that talks a lot around them and, and they find it hard to do their work. Right. 
or if they get distracted while they're doing work, they find it hard to find their place or get back into their rhythm. Um, yeah. And, and I'd say, you know, like it's the same for, uh, I'd say it's the same for, you know, extroverts. However, they seem to, uh, you know, like not lose their rhythm or, or maybe they, you know, they don't sort of overanalyze that as much. I think part of the trade-offs or, or like some of the, some of the good things that come out of an office is you're, you're accepting that there's going to be a bit of unproductivity. There's going to be some small talk. There's going to be a little bit of that, um, you know, sort of social culture building that maybe introverts mm. don't value as much as extroverts. Um, but that allows more, you know, sometimes more collaborative work allows more for more highly creative solutions. Whereas, like I'm sure you've experienced this, right? Even as an introvert, you you prefer to work from home, but you get into a meeting and you're just like, you're just like, mm, if I just tap like the video off button, I can probably pretend to still be here and kind of like, you know, like sort mm. of walk off or, or like zone out, you know, yeah, yeah, zone yeah. out or do a little bit of shopping in the background while while you're listening, like you know, yeah, and yeah. and and I think what what I'm getting at to my point is you lose engagement you lose engagement over video sometimes. And I can see why, you know, some of the most creative work, some of the best like performing places come from an, an office environment where there is a, a culture, there's that sort of socializing. Um, but yeah, I think a different question would be, you know, are employees self-aware enough to know what sort of environment they fit into? Because, you know, you've got choices when you apply for employment, you've got, you know, small companies, you've got startups, you've got these medium-sized businesses, you've got these really sort of, you know, culture-orientated, like large places, Friday night drinks. And, and you can tell by the, the the job descriptions when, they, when they're talking about Friday night drinks and like all this free sort of, you know, that's probably, gonna, yeah, yeah. that's probably going to lend itself to that kind of more social uh, sort of environment. And, you know, some people thrive in that environment if they're extroverts. Yeah. You know, I think, look, I think, I think, yeah, I think overall, I think that's part of, part of this transition is sort of that, that we're sort of, if you look at sort of pre-COVID and now we're sort of, I say post-COVID, but we're still really in, in the COVID phase, but like there's a bit of development there around getting employees to understand how different people uh, or personality types work, work and work well together. And I think that yeah. there's still a bit of work that needs to be done around. Okay, I, in my opinion, that the the pre-COVID environment was very much around extroverted people. People love to be around other people. You know, they can't wait for the Friday drinks. You know, stay yeah. around, and that they're like that. And then you've got the other side of it, which is a lot of people that like to work from home that that can focus better, can equally still engage or have a good engagement on their teams, on their catch-ups with their peers. But then there's also part of it that that looks at it and goes, okay, well, this is the state we're in now. What yeah. does it look like when either COVID's still around but not as um, not as yeah, dominant or not as not as much of an issue as it is now? And how yeah. does that work with both those types of people and their personality types? And 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 I think that hybrid working model where it's you know two three days a week, whatever it is, um, yeah. allows those people that are um, extroverts to actually go into the office or and have offices that are fit for purpose that are more collaboration based where yeah. they can actually you know interact with others go in you know if you are someone you know, who is 
um, introverted or maybe primarily works from home, those one to two days can be a good balance for you to get out and actually get your work done um, and also give you that, I guess, social stimulation or interaction with others that you know, we all need at some capacity or some level. I think there's just yeah. a bit of discovery about how we transition to that because I feel like there's almost, uh, and maybe you can chime in here if you agree with me, but I almost feel mm. like there's a consensus around businesses are looking to other businesses for what they're doing and it's it's almost like a race to to show who's who's the most um who's the most thought-provoking in terms of their approach for how they um address that issue in the workplace yeah. and then i actually think okay what is actually right for the employee they and they look at you know the the health advice they look at the government and say okay what does this look like? And, and let's take the advice from that. They're not actually saying, okay, let's stand individually as a company, have an independent set of thoughts and say, how do we actually uh, cater to all types of people in our organisations, but at the same time get the best results for the business, um, yeah. you know, both, both financially and also in terms of the culture and interaction with others. And I think that's sort of the piece that I feel like we're missing at the moment. Would you, mm. would you agree? Yeah, I, I think the the more diverse um, the more diverse a workplace, the more uh, a business needs to look to other businesses and fit somewhere in what's widely accepted. So, you know, like if you're if you're like in in a in a really niche sort of vertical and you're hiring, hiring specific people and you don't have much workplace diversity, you can set your own terms as the employer because you don't have anywhere to sort of compare to. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be someone to compare to, but like generally speaking, you've got less to compare to. So I'd say like for, for businesses that are like looking to be like have a diverse workplace and they're trying to cater to people who, who only want to work one day in the office, right. Or no days in the office. And then, the other extreme where, you know, they want to be in the office five days a week to cater to both the introvert who wants to spend more time at home and to the extrovert who feels like the culture is falling apart because, you know, there's only two days in the office and there's not enough time to bond and socialize and build those sort of relationships in the office. So it's catering mm. to both. Um, I suppose what I'm really interested in is to hear your thoughts on, Let's say if you you had an open resume, right, and or mm-hmm. like a job description, what would be mm-hmm. like? You're going through all these applications. Imagine yourself on Seek, and you're looking at for the the, the perfect ideal job, right? Your dream job. What would be mm-hmm. the criteria? So aside from pay, knowing like you know you have a little taste for working from home, reduced travel time flexibility what what would be at the top of your list the very top so you've got a few priorities but what would be uh your your number one you know if you could only have one priority well i think i think the the biggest thing in my mind and this is sort of um i guess have you ever heard like i don't know exactly what the saying is but you know like um there's a saying that talks about you know um show me the best side of you when you're at your worst. I think yep. the biggest thing for me would be asking and understanding from a company what it was that you did for, for independently for the safety 
and the mental well and financial well-being of your employees during that period, right? Because a lot of yeah. people um, sort of just you know did the status quo. A lot of actually a lot of companies even had had to implement pay cuts for their employees. So like yeah. for me, it's understanding what it, what it was that you guys did differently to anyone else, and how did you make sure that you made your employees who are your uh, your lifeblood of your company um, mm. protected in that environment and make sure that the, you know you allowed the company to function but also look after them from a financial and, and mental well-being I think what that's one thing for me that I find would be really important and trying to push yeah. that point to the company to understand how they approach that um, and and how was it actually different to everybody else because it's one thing to say okay we we implemented an EAP or we um, yeah which is, you know, one thing that they often, often flout, um, um, you know, what, what, if you did, you know, implement pay cuts, how do you plan to, to deliver that back to employees mm. in one to two to three years? Um, you, if your company did have a profit making, how did that work? Did you share that with your employees? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So like, can you, can you, like, do you know any companies that had that sort of model of like, Hey, you know, we're going through a tough period. Revenue is down, but if you stick around and you stay with us during this tough time, we're going to give you X percentage ownership into a business or like, you know, equity or whatever it is, right? Could What was the best example that comes to mind where you thought a business did something that they didn't need to during a time of crisis? So when, when you know, COVID first happened, revenues were down. There's a lot of uncertainty for businesses and there was a lot of, um, you know, unemployment or like redundancies, the fear of that was at yeah. its highest. What can you think yeah. of any examples of businesses that either you're like you've been in or, or friends have been in where you've seen? I, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer mm. that from a, a financial perspective because yeah. I know that from, from what I understand, the sentiment was a lot of companies obviously mm. had financial difficulties. So they were quick to across the board, um, not maybe give promotions or bonuses to employees. Um, yeah. I think that was sort of the common sentiment that I see. I think the biggest thing that I think was beneficial was a lot of companies um, moving early to allowing company uh, employees to work from home. But I think equally as well, the importance of a, or a trust relationship with mm. their staff around their flexibility and how many days that they want to work from home and how they can continue to work um, you know, whether you're essential work or you're not, how they continue to work, where they feel, and this is individual, right? Like yeah. um, from an employee to the manager, how they feel most supported at work. And I think a lot of the companies that made that move early on rather than yeah. waited for that to happen, I think are the ones that I think stand clear in terms of making sure that their employees felt supported and mm. felt comfortable in those environments. Because I think, there was a lot of uncertainty and the one thing you could do was at least remove that pressure from somebody who was going yeah. through that uncertainty um, and making them feel like they were heard and they have options. Cause often yeah. think about a lot of essential workers. It might not be people that are nursing staff or um, oh, I can't think of any, anyone else, but in terms of essential workers, it might be someone who mm. still needs to do their job, but their employer might not give them options about how they do that job. And I think yeah. that, is something that they could easily accommodate, but a lot of people didn't didn't even give thought into that. And I think yeah. that speaks volumes of a business and their culture and their support of staff. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think 
um, if I if I'm hearing correctly, doing the right thing that you know eventually becomes the standard, but being the first one to do it, and also just having that culture of being empathetic and trying to accommodate where it's it's possible and and it sort of you know might not it might you know put you at a disadvantage in the short term as as an employer but might be the right Mm. thing to do because the right thing is the right thing is the right thing right because i think about it like it's nice to be nice right and it doesn't cost it doesn't cost money to do that and there's always there's always a solution to a problem um that can be that can always be found i think a lot of people or a lot of uh managers in that position didn't give enough thought into that and how they could support their employees. And I think that's mm. sort of the position I'm coming from. So it's doing the right thing at the right time, but also being very independent in the way you approach that because every yeah. individual in an organization is not a one fit, one fits all. Yeah. I, I think like you could even apply that just as a general philosophy or like, you know, way to live life, right? Like putting other people's needs before yours, sometimes when you know when it's the right thing to do so not not at the detriment of you know allowing someone to take advantage of you but Mm. allowing you know allowing other people's needs to come before yours whether you're an employee or just being a good citizen or like good person i think yeah i'd have to absolutely agree with that yeah, no, yeah. definitely I'm, agree with that. I think let's 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 have a bit of fun. Like let's flip it, flip it on its head. Yeah, yeah. yeah what yeah. do you think are like the worst examples, or can you think of any examples where businesses like just handled things terribly, or like during during the coronavirus, especially with the initial lockdown? So, I suppose things that come to mind is like, you know, the worst thing you can do as employers to fire somebody during a, a time of crisis. If yeah. you didn't have to as well, right? Yeah, I don't. I, like again, I don't really know specific examples of where you know exactly where people were businesses that did the wrong thing uh, by their people specifically. But I think again, it's 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 being slow to react. I think that was the biggest thing I felt. People were, people were looking for others for guidance, and if yeah. if if one thing this pandemic has taught me personally is yeah. to never rely on a government, right? Never rely on a government <laughs> to, to look after you and also try to read in between the lines. Um, I think that's yeah. the other thing is so you can prepare yourself and your family yeah. and, your, and, your, and your loved ones. Because I think look at, look at, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you, you, you go, you go, Michael. No, no, I'll just, so I was just going to say like, um, I think it's, yeah, it's really important that, you know, uh, Look at look at you know the government. Look at the the government sector. How slow they've been to um, perfect examples. Look at the the support packages that they've offered to people during the coronavirus. Right. Um, yeah. I think they've been super slow to react. I mean, just recently, look at um, Daniel Andrews complaining about the lack of support for Victoria in comparison to Sydney. Um, yeah. But I think that the issue is as well. There's a lot of businesses out there that wouldn't be left out of the support package. Mm. Um, and I think that would be super super stressful for people for people particularly sole traders um you know that 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 is an added amount of stress and governments in that in that capacity should not be that slow to react yeah particularly when you need to get a country moving yeah i i agree being being slow to act and i'd 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 offer like a uh, an alternative um 
uh, alternative like situation where where like um, you could you know react poorly, and that that would be one where like like generally speaking, you should listen to your employees, make them feel heard, talk about the potential options which are obvious to to the employees, right? Because the worst thing a, a company can do is not communicate the the problems that are clear to everybody. It's almost and make assumptions. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like if you've got your employees saying, "Hey, you know, these guys don't give a shit about this," or they know this is a problem, but they're not talking about it. That's probably the worst thing you can do. The next worst thing is to talk about the problems and then do nothing about it, right? But that's at least an improvement on that. Um, I would say there's the worst thing a business can do is literally pretend like these conversations aren't being had. They're not acknowledging or asking people what the options are. And it doesn't mean that a business needs to decide on what all the employees want. Although generally like, you know, that's, that's kind of, you try to cater to that. You might listen to all the employees present the options and then talk about the pros and cons of each and decide one way anyway, and then make concessions in other places. So it's about, negotiating with employees making them feel heard and then actually going through you know hey if we're i think a better conversation is yes like we've heard you guys say that you know this is your most important thing we you want to work from home right and if that's going to significantly affect the revenues of the business it might be a conversation that goes something like okay you know, we'll prioritize your need for flexibility to work from home, but what are you willing to deprioritize in terms, like what are you willing to take as as like a trade-off because the business is going to be impacted. So it might mean that you guys have to stick around longer or have to perform better or or work an extra mm. half day on a weekend, but we'll give you the entire yeah. five days to work from but home. I think, but I think, I think the important thing there though as well is... Maybe you agree with me, maybe you won't. But again, yeah. trying to not focus on what are the inputs, like not I need to work more, but potentially, yeah. okay, if this is my arrangement, one, I need to be feel safe to speak out firstly to, to yeah. ask the employer for flexible options or feel like I can. And I yeah. think the other problem, the other thing, part of that equation is to be able to um, put some tangible outputs. Okay, if I need to deliver this, okay, mm. sure, I need to deliver it in maybe, um, three days in the office um, and yeah. two I work from home. So how do I get it done in three days? So what what do we need to reshuffle, prioritize? And it is not necessarily an input, but more, okay, this is what I need to deliver. How do we deliver that? Mm. I agree. And like building on that, right? So, because yeah. what we're talking about is 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 efficiencies here, aren't we? Like Absolutely, we're, yeah. We're, we're literally talking about, you know, if you can have, the same efficiencies and give people flexibilities. It's a win-win situation for both the employees and for the employers. So I think if a healthier conversation, like if we're talking about accommodating employees and employers would be, how do we become more effective? And that's more of an open conversation. So generally speaking, right, to become more effective, you need to cut out the less important things. And I think that's where business, uh, the best businesses knows to, like how to put first things first. Um, you know, there's an interesting thing I heard, right? The word priority. 
used to be just a singular word. Some idiot came mm. along and decided to turn it into a plural, priorities, you know? Yeah. And there's this saying, right? If you're prioritizing everything, you're prioritizing nothing. So like, you know, that mm. idiot that, that extended the, the IES should have just kept that priority. So like mm. so businesses know what what's, because we're very good at human beings. It's being really, really good at one thing. And I think businesses mm-hmm. should have that number one priority. I mean, obviously, you know, some roles require you to have multiple priorities, but that same principle still applies to, hey, what, you know, what can I cut out and leave down to like the 10% of the most important in terms of decisions, in terms of outputs, in terms of whatever, right? And then, um, and then the other side of that is like learning to say no. So like even as individuals, right, you might have the best intentions. Let's put yourself in an employee's perspective. You've got a manager, you're starting a new job. You're really good at your job. What does the boss mm. do when you're good at your job? They give you more work, mm. right? So suddenly Absolutely. you're getting, you know, you're com- Michael's competent. Michael's competent. Mm. You know, Daryl's a, you know, like he's horrendous, right? He can't, he can't, yeah, yeah. He can't put a square in a square. So we'll just give all the work to Michael because at least we know the work is going to get done. And mm. then, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, if all this work's getting sent to Michael, and if Michael's a, a manager pleaser, then how do you become? How do you say no if you don't want oh, to upset yeah. you, you know your manager? So like, there's conversations around saying no to certain work and doing it in a respectable way and still getting that's a, that's, the best I results think that's for a the good business. Point. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point because I think like often and and, I, and we touched on this a bit earlier, but the yeah. issue around visibility, right? Like if if I'm a manager and I'm pumping, you know, giving you a whole bunch of work. Us, and yeah. in some cases, maybe somebody might have more than one manager or more than one stakeholder. How yeah. do the, how do those individuals that are giving you the work see that visibility? And if you're somebody who doesn't, who maybe can't say no, then you can mm. become very quickly overwhelmed because... And ineffective. You're, not, like- you're suddenly not... See- yeah, you're not seeing that person stressing out on the phone or being in back-to-back meetings, et cetera. You're, they may yeah. be there at home. They've given you work and you're saying, yes, yes, yes. And suddenly you become so overwhelmed that you can't become as efficient because mm. there's a lack of visibility because now people aren't looking at what you do. They're looking at, they're, sorry, they're not looking at how you do it. They're looking at what you do. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's all they say. Well, that's, that's right. And like with the work from home options, you've got everyone logs off at 5.30 and, you know, this guy that's competent, that is like stressed out might be working an extra hour every day without the manager, you know, recognizing that contribution. So I think, you know, the conversation that extends from being effective is what can you eliminate? What can you do to help individuals bring their, their highest contribution, you know? So, and I think, I think you touched on, you touched on a good point there. Sorry to interrupt, but the touched on a really good point there around, um, effectiveness right and what do individuals need to do to become effective i i think Mm. early on and maybe some people will agree with me here that are watching is that when we started with the with the covid um stuff and a lot of people shifted to work from home um i found it real real challenging to have a delineation between my five o'clock work finish and then Mm. my home life do you you often like Basically, feel like that, and, and even like, and the flip side of that was in the morning, right? Like, if you wake up in the morning, say like 
seven o'clock or eight o'clock, whatever you wake up. And if you're the type of person that just goes straight on your laptop, there's turn no transition between you waking up. Right? Or, or, you turn your laptop or, on, or, that's your alarm clock. Or, or literally like in, in these cold in these colder, colder mornings, you got your laptop on and you're still in bed with the electric blanket on or or whatever. Yeah, right? and you're just sitting there on the, <laughs> on the laptop working away. And like, but like and, and it might seem good, but it's actually terrible for the brain because that transition from one room to another, the transition from the commute from home to work actually tells the brain to change modes to actually to shut off, yeah. To shut off and actually be prepared to, to I, focus. I, the way I that. view it is it's not it's really no different to somebody who had an issue where they potentially finish work and they're checking their emails or not, or they're on their laptop or not. Like they really yeah. need, if you need to be coming back to your point about being effective, right? You need yeah. to have a shut off time and a start time for when you, when you start your work and have a, have a, a, that home life and that balance between work and, and home. 100%, 100% those emails, those problems are still going to be there on Monday morning. Like you can, 100%. You, the perfect example is, trying to finish off an email before going to a meeting, right? And you're sitting there like, oh, I can just squeeze this email out in a couple more minutes yeah. before going to the yeah. meeting. And you're sitting there like, should I prioritize this 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 email or should I go to the, the meeting on time, right? And the email yeah. is still going to be there when you come back. And if it's not this email, it's going to be another email. And that's just like a, a granular look at something but this expands like you know principle still applies to bigger problems on a friday afternoon so uh, but i think i think the key takeaway or the lesson there is you need to have balance right you need to you definitely need to have balance in how, do you, of being how do you how do you find that you approach balance right like how do you do you like currently like obviously you know agree with me in terms of that separation what do you do personally to help you have that balance and have that break between the two so so you're you often pose the question right is this important yes or no and then the next question is how important you know if you if you throw it and, and, and like you know or maybe a better question of of how important it might be like let's say if you're deciding to go to a friend's birthday or drinks or, or celebration right social event you go to mm. yourself do i want to do this is it on a scale zero to 10, is this like a six, seven, eight, nine, ten? 10, right? If it's yeah. anything less than an eight, you should just say no, because you might go, but you're, you're sort of, you're, you're not giving it your, it's not your very, very, very top priority. And yeah. imagine if you applied that to every part of your life, you're literally only doing things that are nine or tens. You're going to, you know, without thinking about it, give more time to the things that you want. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Hard, and I think hard, hard to apply like straight away or 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 like right away, but you know, takes practice, right? Takes practice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. And I think you, it's yeah. Go on, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like, I think yeah, it's it, it, it's something that continually takes practice, and I think the more you do it, obviously, the better you get at being able yeah. to prioritize. And this comes back to our early conversation and trying to say no to things that are not not important. And I think mm. um, the better the, the the more you the more you can focus uh, or be able to prioritize or understand what's important and, and what's not. Also, intrinsically helps you also say no because you get mm. better at ranking that. You know, if it's one to ten, um, yeah. you know, and it's you know uh, five minutes to five. 
You know, do you, do you push this in? Because re- the reality is, and we, we all know this, and I think a lot of people can relate, is that it doesn't matter what you do, there'll always be that work the next day. Yeah. And even if you get so efficient at doing that, then there'll always be some more work coming coming your way, right? It never stops. 100%. Whether, whether you're a janitor who's like clocking in and like trying to get like a couple minutes overtime or your boss that like sticking around an hour or you're a business owner that's that's you know sticking sticking into your emails at like 10 10 p.m 11 p.m or at 2 a.m even all right looking at your emails when you should be spending time with your family like at what point do you do you draw the line and you know have that balance because you might be efficient today but that stress spills over till tomorrow and that be, makes you inefficient for tomorrow so it comes from that's circle. effective right yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely i think um I think we'll finish up here, but I think it was, we, we covered some really interesting topics. Uh, it was mostly around work related, but hopefully some thought provoking conversations. And I think, you know, we've got uh, differing uh, perspectives on some of the same topics. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this and got, got some of your own questions or, or have some of your own thoughts on, on the topics that we discussed. Uh, anything you'd like to add or anything like you'd like to share? It's a, a nugget, a takeaway a principle or something that you live by anything you'd like to share um i probably the only thing i could probably say is is you know and i think you touched on it earlier is just just be better at um focusing on you know your time is valuable um yeah and and focusing on where you want to put that time and to who you want to spend that time with i think that's something that's probably more prevalent than ever um yeah yeah, just i guess as a key takeaway i guess as part of this it makes us appreciate that more. So definitely kind of leave that with, with you guys. And yeah, Mark, thanks for having me on. It's been been a pleasure. No, no worries, mate. One one last thing. Uh, yeah. And you don't have, you, if you don't have anything that comes to mind, that's fine. But um, what's, I'm just interested in like, uh, what's, what's one uh, piece of advice that you've received that you think is like, has been the most valuable piece of advice that you've taken on board, like someone's told you. Does anything sort of come to mind or? I'm throwing you on the um, spot here. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, does it have to relate to what we spoke about? Or is it nah, not completely nah. different. Completely different would be would be ideal. Yeah, I think um, I just I think I had one person once say to me, um, "Be kind to everybody and be yeah. humble." And I think yeah. that's something that's always tried to stick with me. And I think um, in a in a time I guess like in like like it is now, I think it's probably more important than ever that we um, try to empathize and understand other people's perspectives and try to really um you just treat people the way you you know you want to be treated and and it doesn't Mm. take it doesn't take much to to give a nice compliment or just make somebody feel really nice by one or two things you say to them i think that that goes a long way and um yeah i think that's probably something that you know i try to live by every day and try to get better at yeah yeah that's I, i think that's really beautiful and like definitely one to want to take on and I, I feel like I've I, I hear that often and you know it's always good to hear that reminder even from yourself um, given two choices if you can be kind you know choose to be kind you know be sympathetic yeah. uh, your your best day could be somebody's worst day vice versa so you know you if you're having the bad day you would uh, you would like the courtesy of someone who's having a good day to sort of you know extend that sort of you know niceness so now good stuff mate good to have you on yeah 
Thanks, man. Uh, Thanks. Appreciate it. No worries. Um, Take it easy. See ya. Bye. Ciao.